0: to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start Liberating Dreams, one episode at a time. So, good afternoon, Liberty listeners. Today we're here with Kirsten Blazik of A Thousand Times Better, and I'm so excited to be um doing this interview with Kirsten for a few reasons. One, I know a lot of her backstory and how much success she's had in the last three years with her company. And so it's always awesome to come back and talk to somebody um, and kind of get the behind the scenes as to how they've created that success. I think that you're going to really benefit from her grassroots bootstraps this is how she did it kind of storytelling but also um she's a really dear person and i can't wait for you all to get to know her so um here we go kirsten are you ready i'm ready (laughs) um so really quickly why don't you tell us um how did you start in your career and you can give us i know because you've had two careers like give us the backstory too
1: so i uh grew up in Scotland and i went to the university of edinburgh and did nursing as my graduate degree and moved to the states in the late 90s and um got married to an american lived here worked as a nurse and um had two children and stopped work when i when i had the kids so um like many women in their late 30s, I found myself in a situation where I was getting divorced and had to address going back to work um, and had to decide whether it was something I wanted to go back to nursing, which I knew, or take an alternative path. And obviously, since I'm sitting here today, you can tell I <laughs> took the alternative the path.
2: Yes. Did you, um, going back to nursing, did you expect to
1: stop when you had kids? Was that the plan? All yeah, along? I think I did. I am... Um, I don't know if you want to get into personal stuff, but I I had, we had a little bit of a hard time getting pregnant and Uh it was a process. Uh So it was something that I really valued was taking the time off because it had been very difficult for us to get pregnant. Um, I wanted to take the time off when the kids were little and spend the first five years with them. So that was always kind of a plan to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure
2: one that you'll never regret having, no, not having at all. all that time with them. Not at all. So when, would you say then that deciding to start A Thousand Times Better, which we'll get into that whole story yeah. in a second, because they don't even, I guess our listeners don't even know what that is yet. No. Although you will have read the bio, everyone, of course. Um, what do you think prompted it? Was it, if I may, was it the divorce that made you think about going back to work? Or was it like... I know I'm going to go back when they're about X age.
1: No, I think I was definitely, I, I was happy as a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, <clears throat> Maybe a little, um, getting a little bit anxious as the kids were getting older sure. to find my identity again from taking time off. But uh, yeah, I I think the divorce definitely <laughs> prompted me to take action. And sure. I knew at some point I was probably going to need it to have a source of income again for myself and had to decide at that point whether I was was going to go back to nursing or do something different. Did you love nursing? I did love I did love nursing. I don't think if I I don't think I ever felt like it was my calling like a lot of oh, people do. Okay. I really enjoyed it and I grew up in a family of caregivers. Right. And it was kind of a natural thing for me to fall into cuz my mom and my gran had both worked in hospitals. Um but for me, I was always a creative. I was always a little different, always pushing the limits when it came to dressing yeah. and driving my mom absolutely crazy. <laughs> well, it's paying
2: off now. But yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So I think I wanted. There was a time in high school where I definitely considered going to art school, but my wow, my parents were very not conservative, but they were safe sure. and wanted me to have a steady profession sure. and and push me in the direction of doing something a little more safe than going to art school. So. Well, now
2: as a parent, we're both parents, yes. we
1: understand Completely. why we want that safe yes.
2: that safety net for yes. our kids that yes. perhaps if that thing that you are so passionate about doesn't work out, right. here's another thing that you could yes. do. Yes, and you will always have a job as a nurse. Yeah. So, it was, yeah. so that's interesting. So it wasn't, oh, I hate nursing. I'm not, not going back all. to that. I need to find something else. No. Okay, then what... So tell us then what is a thousand times better? So you made this decision to start a business yes. instead of going back to nursing how did that how did that come
1: about it was actually a a mom at the kids school Mm -hmm. stephanie i'll be forever grateful to you (laughs) she came to my house and um she walked in and she was like girl this is amazing like what are you doing like why are you not doing this for a living and i at the time was like i don't even know what you're talking about like Yeah. yeah the house is cool but i've only ever done this for myself i'm pretty sure like Great, my house is nice, but I can't do it for somebody else. And She was like, I have a friend. And she just bought a house in Malibu and she needs help. And she's like, you're going to do it. She pretty much gave me no choice. She said, you need to do this. I I really believe you need to do this job. So I, at the time, was looking to start building a portfolio and she pushed me to do it. And I, I did the house in Malibu and it turned out very well. The homeowner was happy that was my first ever job which was a design job not staging uh-huh. but um she referred her the client in Malibu referred me to somebody who referred me to somebody else and I just very slowly and this was actually before my divorce uh-huh. so this was kind of leading up to really needing to right. to launch right. a new career and then the staging part progressed from there that was kind of over two years before I actually launched the staging company I was doing just very small design jobs for basically no money to just yeah. get a small portfolio. The old
2: no money years. So right. we all know those yes. years.
1: Okay, for those of us listening who
2: don't really know what staging is, can you explain that to us and then what's the distinction between staging and design from a from your point of view as as somebody who's developing a business and chose one over the other in some respects. So what's staging?
1: So staging, we taken we can do partial stagings or whole house stagings where we bring all of our furnishings, art, accessories, bedding, everything it takes to make a house feel lived in and beautiful. We bring that to a house that's going to come on the market. And before the photographer comes in, we stage the house, put all of our stuff in there and they come and take photographs. And the end result hopefully is that the house will sell for more money because it's aesthetically Pleasing to the seller, sure. and they get an emotional connection with that house that they probably wouldn't have had if it was an empty house. So, your clients are on the staging end, are
2: realtors. They're the ones that are coming to you and saying, Hey, can you fix this house up so I can put it on the market? You know, over asking would be the ideal. Yes. Is that essentially? Yes. Okay.
1: Most often we're approached by realtors. With Instagram, which we'll talk about in a little bit, we're definitely getting approached more and more by homeowners and individuals who have seen our work and are selling, and then they tell their realtors about us. Um, But typically, for sure, over the last two years, it's been just a slow word of mouth, um, realtor to realtor, and they get the word out there that we're a staging company, and they get in touch with us. So it comes from the realtor. Okay. And then do you do design work as well? We do design work as okay. well, yes. that The staging, I think, has provided a portfolio of work where design clients could also see that okay. they like our aesthetic and the staging aesthetic runs into the design aesthetic. So we have done numerous design jobs as well, residential clients and some commercial jobs.
2: And what made you choose um, staging as kind of the kind of the focus of the business? Because I know you just said you do design work too. Why did you choose not to be an interior designer exclusively? Why staging? What was it about staging that uh, appealed to you or maybe made
1: financial sense? Honestly, I think it. I can't say that there was a real clear decision in the beginning. I just kind of fell into the staging through the small amounts of design work that I had done. But also, I was very conscious that there's a lot of very, very talented interior designers out there and I don't have schooling or or I didn't have a portfolio particularly to speak of. And with staging, there's a little more autonomy in that you can bring your aesthetic rather than have to necessarily work with a client that has their own opinions. And I think it was just a natural progression for me to to get into the staging. I think I also have like an innate sense of flow and furniture placement and, and just kind of seeing the overall picture for a house that made me, made it more appealing to me to, to do staging versus design where I think you have to spend a little more time managing the client. client.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, again, having seen your success over the last couple of years, in particular this last year, you have developed a brand um, based on your aesthetic. Very much so, Not It's not not just, oh, she's done a range of things, which you have. I've seen some things that that are outside of your range that you have capacity for and, and do really well. But you definitely have nailed this sort of boho, chic kind of thing. And um, and you've done it in a way that's somewhat elevated. Like I, I've seen some of the work in houses that you've done that are well over a million dollars. Um, and you've been able to, to make it both sophisticated and boho. Do you think that's probably because the staging has allowed you to recreate that sort of thing over and over and over, whereas maybe you could do five stagings in the time it would have taken you to do one home? So it's like you you can develop that, yes, that for brand. For sure,
1: um, doing the stagings over and over and having practice at yeah. that. And it really is. I mean, it's been an enormous learning curve for me. Sure. For me to Something say that. nurse. Nice. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it really has. And it started with a, a brief stint with my very good friend Tamara at House of Honey. Yeah. And just... Shout out to House of yes, Honey. Yes, shout <laughs> out to House of Honey. Love you, Tamara. Um, but it really just... Practice and practice and practice and, and I think a lot of it honestly is intuition it's a lot of intuition going into a house and just sensing what that house needs in the way of furniture and I don't just mean and it needs two sofas and a chair. Sure. More that it's in this location and I've just you know, I feel like the buyer is going to be a early thirties couple without yeah. children. This is the kind of thing they would like. And yeah. I think my intuition has gotten better over the years about who that potential buyer would be. And you can't, I don't think you can really teach that. You just have to learn it with time. And exercise it. And exercise it. And, you know, the tricks of the trade, like there are, there are tricks and you learn those with time. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily happen right off the bat. Sure. I I feel like one of the consistent things that's
2: uh, been happening as I'm interviewing people is what you just said is hearing people say, there's no shortcut. You just got to learn. You yeah. just got to exercise that muscle. You just got to learn that about yourself. You just got to develop a thick skin, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It seems that time is what everyone has in common. Yes. That it, Some of these things just take time. And I would also say, you had another profession, And so while you were new to this profession, you had been a professional. You had been in a professional setting. You understood what it meant to work with people and how to be a good listener. A nurse has to be a good listener. Yes, for sure. (laughs) And so you bring all of those things into this job. Additionally, you had mentioned early on that you thought about going to art school. Like that was something that was in you that wanted to come out, and eventually found its way out. Very thank much so. thank goodness for all yeah, of us to get you. to see your beautiful um, creations. Um, what well, did you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Did you in in going through this process? Did you ever once say
1: or identify yourself as entrepreneurial? No, definitely not. I think it's it's really been a very organic thing for me. I started it. <laughs> I. Um, It grew word of mouth spread and it's been very consistent since the beginning, but I really didn't set out with a goal in mind that I was going to be a business owner. In fact, Mm -hmm. sometimes I have to pinch myself that I am like it. It happened very, very organically and it definitely wasn't a planned thing. It just kind of fell into my lap. And I think what's really important when you're starting a business is to find your niche and find something that's a little different from how everybody else is doing it because you need to recreate your you know like find your brand find your voice don't waver from that and really try and stay consistent with what that is over over the course of many years which you've done it's evident i mean um we'll give
2: your instagram handle at the end but um I'll just say it now in case somebody wants to, to check it out while we're listening. But if you go to at a thousand times better, it's very clear in your in the imagery that the brand is. So for many of us, the brand is some combination of, um, you know, how we communicate to the customer through our logo, through the way we write, through the images that we use. But in your case, the brand is also the end product. Like it's yes. actually yes. the boho look that you produce time and time again in different rooms in different with different sensibilities, you know, of whoever the owner might be in right. your case because right. it's a home that hasn't been sold yet or doesn't have an owner yet. Um, that becomes an extension of the brand. And when you go to your Instagram, it's so clear. It's tangible. It's like everybody knows what that brand is. And what's so cool about that is then you can take that brand and do other things with it. You can create other verticals. You can say, okay, well, if we want to sell products, we can sell products and people know what to expect from us. Yes. They know the kinds of things that yeah. we would sell. <clears throat> and I can even imagine what those things might be. I mean, I, I, I could be so like, oh, I-, I would know it's on your shopping page <laughs> right. and you don't even have one yet. Right. So I think right. there's... There's such wisdom to what you're saying, but it's so smart as a business owner to have developed that brand in the way that you have, and maybe because it was organic, it was true to who you were. Yes, I mean, I, I really wasn't forced.
1: Yeah, to to speak to that, I think being genuine, and I think it takes I think it takes a minute to discover who you who you are and what do you want to be as a company, but if you're authentic to yourself yeah then it's genuine and it's not forced it just feels right it comes across to pe- people get it like if you're yeah. trying to be somebody else it's obvious if yeah. you're being yourself then it's easy it's yeah. easy but it, it takes time I think to really identify yeah. it took me time to identify myself as a as a company and not just a person like yeah. to become a business owner to realize that i was running a company to have employees to have it's it the transition between kind of apologizing for oh i have this little staging company to being hey this is what this i is do, what I and, do really and this it. is yeah. who i am and yeah. and owning that it 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 doesn't happen overnight it definitely takes a number of years for you for me to meet other people now and be like well yeah i own a sure. i own a staging tier design company don't have to ever like feel like I have to apologize or I did this before. I don't have to say that. Like this is my me. This is my identity. And it takes a minute. It does take a minute. I think one thing
2: I can say in my experience is that the generation after us. Yes, you're in my generation. Yes, I am. For um, sure. They don't seem to have that problem. In fact, <laughs> sometimes yes. they say things that I'm like, wow, well, you do that. And then I realize... Uh, that their confidence yes. maybe overplayed what I thought they did. and But good for them, mm-hmm. and in a way, shame on us. Like right. We've taken a longer um, path to get there. Sure. And I'm not... I have to think that's somewhat social, um, that that's uh, it's been socially... We've been socially conditioned in that way because it's very consistent for me to hear people say what you're saying who are, shall we say, Gen Xers, right? right? Yeah. That... I don't hear that from millennials in the same way. And I think um, to that end, that's why Liberty exists. So we can really speak to that voice and say, if you're feeling that, if you're feeling like a fraud, join the club because every, all of us are. Yes. Um, If you're feeling like you can't believe you have employees and a business and payroll and you know, all the things that you have because you just don't even know how you got here, join the club Because that's what it feels like in those early years. So that's a great transition. What would you say to somebody, another mom, who came up to you and said, I love what you've done, Kirsten. I'm so impressed. I myself am thinking about taking the entrepreneurial plunge. How would you advise them or, or what would you warn them of? What would your What would you say to them? What would you say to that woman? And she's a good friend, let's
1: say, so okay. you can really be honest. Be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think I didn't have a big business plan, or I hadn't really thought out strategy. That just wasn't, and that's not who I am as a person. I definitely, I am a creative, and I like to to do things organically. So, I think it depends on the kind of business you want to start. I think some businesses you need to have more of a strategy. For me, I definitely just kind of jumped in and, and went with it. And it happens to be that it's working out, and that's amazing. Um, well, it's more than working thing. out. <laughs> Thank you. As I sit here in your <laughs> warehouse, it's really obvious yeah, that it's lot more of furniture than working here. out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think know yourself and know who you, who you want, what your service is, what, is di- what are you doing that's different from... Everybody else is providing the service that you want to provide. How are you going to stick out from the crowd? How are you going to identify yourself? And I mean, everybody's in a different place financially. And obviously, it takes an element of risk to start a business. You have to believe in yourself, but not have unrealistic expectations. Like, don't overstretch yourself. (laughs) Try and listen to your intuition and your gut. And if it feels like that's too much of a risk... Then it probably it probably is. I think as women, we, I certainly have relied on intuition so much in the last few years. I think it's something as mom moms yeah. and as women we have innately, and for sure for me it's been a massive thing is to listen to my gut. Now is the right time to hire somebody. Now's the right time to hire somebody else. Now is the right time to move out of storage and get or into a warehouse. Or who to hire. Or who on, to hire. On, on that yes. note, yeah. Yeah, and I think as a woman who is not, as you know, it, as a woman who's in her 40s now and yeah. it has some maturity and some life experience, I think you're in a position where you're able to potentially make some decisions that could be better than you would have in your 20s sure. regarding those things let's hope, <laughs> maybe, yes, maybe. Let's hope. Yes, maybe. I actually agree I yeah. think you're absolutely right not to you, I'm sure no it's, no
2: yes. it's not a diss I mean I think those are the things to look forward to if I were a 20 year old listening to this and I heard you say that I would be encouraged yeah. because it's it's oh the future looks really bright and I'm going to get in, into a place or into a position where I can really trust my gut because sometimes your gut in those early years is telling you the wrong thing, or right. you haven't exercised that muscle enough to know if you can rely on that yes. um, intuition. So I I think there's a lot of wisdom to it. And I don't think you're dissing anybody. No. What, what was the hardest part for you about taking this plunge? I, and you've said that it was organic. And so uh, in your situation, it wasn't this is what I want to do. Now I'm going to do it. There wasn't a jumping off point. It was a slow boil. It's actually,
1: it's ironic that we're doing this today because it was three years yesterday that I staged Aww. my first house.
2: Oh, that's and awesome. Yes, Happy anniversary. Thank you.
1: It was an opportunity that was given to me by a very good friend of mine who's a realtor and but basically took a huge chance on me, sure. knew that I had a decent level of taste, I guess, and hired me to stage a little, a little house that she had coming up. And I did it by gathering some of her furniture, some of another friend's furniture, buying stuff from Ikea, like really just pulled the thing together with whatever we could find. And it it turned out really, really nicely. And that led to another job and another job. And that's why I say it really was organic. Like I couldn't say that I, I was like, I am going to start a staging company. That's what I'm going to do. I helped her out. (laughs) Right. It worked out. She referred me to somebody else who referred me to somebody else who referred me to somebody else. So... That's why I say it's been organic. It really wasn't a plan. Okay. Yeah. So then let's ask a
2: slightly different question. When did it get hard? When did you go, oh,
1: I just created a monster? Um, I think I remember, uh, I very specifically remember a situation where my dad was visiting from Scotland. And I think I was maybe on my fifth or sixth house. And I was taking the, prof- the, the money from every job to buy Furniture. I decided pretty early on that I wasn't gonna rent because I have a Mm -hmm. particular aesthetic and the rental furniture that was available didn't wasn't appealing to me at all. So I decided I was gonna buy everything. And I remember sitting on the porch with my dad and all these boxes were getting delivered and everything was getting delivered to my house and he was like, What are you doing? Like I've always liked to spend money, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a great shopper. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a really good (laughs) shopper. So I think you seriously thought that I was just feeding my, your habit, my habit, my shopping yeah. habit. Yeah. This, uh, yeah, this is a lovely a hobby. this is a lovely hobby. Yes. yes, you're buying all this stuff because you like to buy things. I and I think that I think that was at that point I really realized that I was supposed to be doing this because I could categorically look him in the eye and say, I know what I'm doing. I really feel like this is going to work out. I'm not spending money for the sake of spending money. Sure. I have a purpose. Sure, and I. I can't say 100%, but I really think this is going to, like, I sure. really felt like it was going to be okay. That's awesome. And I think that goes back to your gut thing,
2: uh, you know, really believing in what you're doing and you saw the results on a micro level. Mm-hmm. And so as you grew, you're like, I'm just going to take that same model and I'm going to grow it up to yes. the next level. Yes. So... It allowed for you to hedge those bets and say, I know this looks like it's a bet, but it's a good bet. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, again, th- that wisdom that comes from having exercised that muscle and having gone through that process. Okay. So now that we've kind of heard your backstory, um, I want you to... Te- well, let me, let me set you up a little bit because... Um, you had how many Instagram followers a year ago?
1: Uh, maybe 350. Yeah, yeah 350. Like yeah. And
2: today you have 23,000. Yeah, 20 Okay. So, I was going to say 22,000. So, when I put the questions together to ask you, you had 22. So, in a week, yes. you've grown another thousand. Yes. So give us, and I know you're not a social media expert. And so I'm, I, this, is, this is less about, here are the 10 tips to the social media expert says, this is the legit, like, this is how I did it. This is the backstory of how I grew that. And you were intentional in the way you built relationships, which is what I think is amazing about your growth. Can you just tell us? How did you grow from 350 <laughs> to 23,000 in less than a year?
1: Consistency, I think, is a huge thing. Um, hosting and hosting twice a day, but finding content that actually s- speaks to you and your mm-hmm. brand and it being, it's coming back to the genuine, authentic, like really finding your voice, being consistent with hosting regularly. People, the more you post, so were you, you posting
2: up. original content? Were you posting
1: pictures of things that you had? I mean, staged? honestly, in the beginning, my Instagram account included my children, yeah, my life, my vacations, okay. and okay. If, it. As we got busier with staging jobs and we had better content to show, I definitely started transitioning more and more into showing original content. I think that I'm. I think we've been in a very fortunate position in the design world, where if you're a residential designer or a commercial designer, jobs take a long time to complete. Right. So it's hard to consistently have original content. Sure. I think we're very, very fortunate that we are doing one, two houses a week, you know, on average five to six houses a month. As a stager. As a stager. So I think a, a big part of that growth has been that I, we are lucky enough to be in a position where we can show original photographs and they're all different and different houses, different furniture. It's appealing to people.
2: But there is a through line. Again, like when I said earlier, go to your uh, Instagram account and and you'll see the brand is so clear. There's there's such consistency. Even when it's not original pieces that you're showing, the images that you're choosing to show reflect you and your brand. So how did you... How did you do that? Did you just scan through Instagram and say these are people that have a similar aesthetic? Let me yeah. I mean, with I, them think or the, I think post, the I repost them. What did you do?
1: Yeah, repost like regram and probably regram. I mean, I still I really do post still like an original content and then an inspired image. If that's from somebody that I know that I follow that I love and right. I love their work, or if it's from Elder Car magazine, like yesterday I posted from Eldercar because I had seen an image that just spoke to me. I think you, I mean, I would like to say that I really strategize this. I, I don't know if I really did again. It was kind yeah. of an organic growth. But I think if you know your brand and you know yourself and you know what speaks to you and you have a genuine voice and you're speaking to your audience on a, I mean an audience, it's a weird way to say it, but no, it, if you're it, it, speaking yeah. to the people who follow you and it, and it is, again it's not forced it's not try you're not trying too hard it's just you find i think i have found my voice on instagram and it Mm -hmm. it honestly it took a minute like to have the confidence to be conversational with people to not we don't take ourselves i have to stop you because i think
2: that's that's kind of your secret sauce you're conversational you are using that social platform to be social, yes. You're not looking for opportunities to convert them. Every third message or every third post isn't "come by this." Nope. Go to my site for this. It it is conversational, conversation. and I think that's really key for yes. us to to take away from yeah. this.
1: And then I think through that conversation, and we don't. I don't take myself too seriously. We don't yeah. take ourselves too seriously as a company. We laugh, we joke, we're silly. Yeah, we love what we do. We're passionate about it. But I think through finding your voice and then having that conversational tone you you attract people who will stay with you and in the beginning it's hard like i remember being at 400 and then 390 and then 400 and then yeah. in the beginning it takes a long time yeah. but i think the more that you find your voice yeah. and you attract you, you attract your tribe it's yeah. your people the people yeah. who want to come and look at my instagram page are people like me or yeah. people that are attracted to images that I like. And if you're consistent with that and you know yourself and you know how you want to talk, then it, it just kind of happens, but it it has taken some time. It takes time and it t- it takes, it's not without work. Like it. Okay. Well tell us what that is. What yeah. is the work? So
2: we put po- the posting. We understand you posted some original content. You continue to post some original content and, and, Content that inspires you from other sites and other people that you're part of their tribe. Yes. What else have you done besides the posting that you feel like? Are you liking people? Are you commenting? What? For are, sure. There's more than just posting. What
1: have What have you been doing? I think being, you know, finding out who you like on Instagram yeah. and what when you go to somebody's page and you're like, oh my, you know, oh my god, this is amazing. This speaks to me so much. Keep going back and be consistent and. F- you I have developed some of the most amazing, genuine, real friendships wow. with other people through Instagram who are design inspiration people to me, people that I just genuinely have found a connection with. But how did you not view those people as competition? Because we're d I d I, I don't like we yeah. are all doing our own thing in our own way, and even if we have a similar aesthetic it's different enough. I think if you're secure in what your voice is, then you don't yeah. need to have competition with other women right? or men who right. are out there doing similar things. And we
2: hear that all the time, right? We hear, even if it's cliche, we hear there's enough room for all of us. Yes. But I think that's only true when you are authentically you. If you are trying to be yes, Susie... Whatever over here at at, at Susie dot com or whatever she is, then then you are not making room for you, and so it is crowded. That is a crowded space, but if you are being you in Instagram, in business,
1: in life, then there is
2: that's right. Then yeah. there is room. There is room for all of us, and I love that. I, I knew you were going to probably say that, so yeah. I felt comfortable asking that. But knowing you, knowing you personally, knowing you in business um that i feel like it's an extension of who you are and part of your success is that you're really comfortable in your own shoes um and no. what? No. Now. In my now. 40s. Yeah. Yes. No, i sure. mean yeah and yay for 40s. Yes. I mean the, i guess that's what that decade is about. Yes. So um it would be sad if you went through it and didn't feel that way. So, I guess job well done. Thank you. <laughs> you Thank you've you. gone through your 40s or you're going through yes. your 40s and it's yes. it's being accomplished. Um what do you as you've been in business, um as a stager, if there's a stager out there or even somebody who wants to be go into interior design, what are the things that you would say to them? Definitely make sure you do this and never
1: do this. Gosh, I don't know. That's a very personal question. I think everybody has to to run the business the way that yeah. works for them and sees fit for them. Um, I mean, staging has a lot of overheads and I think it's a very difficult profession to get into if you don't have some financial security okay. coming into it. Um, we do a lot of work, but we spend a lot of money and yeah. it's that is not ending and we're sitting today in a warehouse filled with furniture and it that furniture doesn't come for free it's there's been a a a lengthy investment period and probably that's not going to stop anytime soon because the jobs evolve and become bigger and you need more stuff and there's a it's a very expensive thing to start um so i i would i would be cautious to say to somebody start start this in your 20s I think it's a difficult thing to do if you don't have a little bit of financial Question. security behind you
2: yeah and and that perhaps would be the advice that you would give somebody who wanted to get into the business would be maybe don't start as a stager start in interior design either working for somebody else or as your own but you're really spending the client's money
1: Yes, and get <laughs> yes, you know develop
2: that develop that that eye develop that level of taste develop um, relationships with vendors and stores and people that you're going to be using if you end up moving it into staging
1: as well. Yes. I think that's a great piece of advice and learning how to shop because I'm yeah. a really good shopper and I'm not just like finding resources. I spend A lot of time finding resources. I, you know, knowing where to go to get good product but without spending elevated prices is really a a huge key in this business. Like, knowing where to thrift shop, knowing where to get really, really good deals on product is huge to being successful because you cannot afford to spend top dollar on everything you buy as a stager. You just nor, can't. Nor do you want to, right? No. You want to
2: find that margin because yep. that's where you're going to take money for the business, for yep. yourself. Yeah. Um, so you've got employees. Yes. What would you, how would you advise us on, and you've talked a lot about your gut and maybe this comes into it, but what are you looking for? Some people tend to hire for the job. They're looking for the skill set. Some people tend to hire people. I want, I want a great person and then I will, I will identify what they can do. What has been, maybe answer that question first, which one you've done, which strategy you've taken and then what are things that you've looked for in that have
1: turned out to be good hires? I mean, I, I think (laughs) I want to keep harping back to the following your intuition, but I think knowing when to hire and when it's a risk versus, you know, yeah. I think when I hired, I knew I was at a point where I couldn't physically or emotionally do any more by myself. Mm -hmm. And that in order to grow the business, I had to hire somebody. Otherwise I was crippling myself because I was at capacity already. Um, I would say with my first, my first hire, there was a lot of luck involved and it wasn't again, (laughs) particularly strategic. I had a, you know, I knew I needed somebody and I ended up meeting that person at Aaron Brothers, which is like, we yeah. just started talking and they were looking for a job and um, we connected and it, and it it really just... I, I needed somebody and that yeah. person was there and it's been a, a great thing for me. So maybe it was the connection,
2: the personal connection, per, the yeah. personality the, you saw. Yeah. Like, I think this person is a good person. I'm yeah. willing to bring them I into my think more than, company. Yes.
1: I definitely, when I hired for the first time, for sure, I didn't have a, a, a particular position or sure. roles or responsibilities that I knew I needed to fulfill. I just knew I needed additional help and then as as the years have progressed that has turned into a role which is much more defined than it was in the beginning in the beginning it was kind of a catch-all how about subsequent hires do you feel like that's
2: been the same thing you've been hiring the people and the personality or do you feel like it got more strategic as you found the need
1: yeah i i think with my second hire julian i love you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i definitely again it was a, a felt at the time like it was a risky move but I really f- financially risky, but I I felt like my second employee had a set of skills that I okay. really desired and that I knew if I took the chance and she took the chance on me because we were still a pretty new business that I felt very confident that we would work well together and that it would be something that would help grow the business. And yes, my second employee has been a bl- an absolute amazing blessing to me and has enabled the creativity levels to just you know go through the roof because we we have each other to bounce stuff off
2: sure and I think what again knowing a little bit about your business what it has allowed you to do and you just about said it you were allowed to be fully creative and not just uh man you know split your time between okay I'm a creative over here but I'm running a business and so I really have to focus on the administrative too Um, it took some of that uh, workload away. And, you know, I say to my clients often, work on your business, not in your business. And when you are working in your business, and you can't even see the future of your business, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. We were
1: just talking about that this week, like, taxes are coming up. Yeah, right. The the actual running of a business is a difficult thing for a creative. I I have we it's just, a difficult thing for it's anybody. A difficult for anybody <laughs> yeah, right, for sure. I mean, I think as a creative, and we had this group conversation on Instagram yesterday. We, yeah. we were all talking about how much we detest the actual running, like yeah. the taxes, the money, the accounting, like all of those things, and how important it is to see your limitations and to know that that that's not my thing. Like I don't do that. Yeah. So yes, it costs more money to hire that out, but if it allows you to put time back into the business where it really matters, right. where you're growing ideas and looking at new opportunities, then that's money well spent right. because we can't all be an expert in every field. Sure, We have to find what we're good at and then kind of stick to that and know when to hire, when to get help where you can't do something.
2: I was talking to a, a friend of mine who uh, works in a corporate environment. She's not an entrepreneur uh, and she um, often talks to me about being frustrated with the entrepreneurial people she works with that the the founders (laughs) and she, she talks about founder syndrome and that these founders continue to think that they can run everything because that's what got them there in the first place. And she says at some point they have to realize kudos to you for getting us here, but we can't sustain any kind of real growth at with you being the only person that can make the decisions, that can move the needle in whatever capacity, that you need to start to allow people to become a part of your team. And I think it's really awkward and takes a little bit of figuring out for the for the owner to do that.
1: It really does. I think that was probably one of the most difficult things that I've done as a business owner was to start letting go of Control of everything. Yeah, because in the beginning you literally are—you're controlling everything—and then you you hire somebody. You have to let go of a little bit of control, and you hire somebody else. And what's the point in hiring them unless you're going to give them? That's right. Stuff to do and give them some control. But it was—it was a very that was a very difficult thing for me. Was this is your baby? This is something you've created. It's personal. It's yours, and knowing the right time to start. Letting go of a little bit of that was a was a big learning curve for me. It was difficult and learning how to be. I've never been somebody's boss before. Like yeah. learning how to actually be the part. The the. I mean, we are fun here and we have a good time. But at the end of the day, learning to be a boss is hard. Like yeah. learning to be like I have to sometimes make hard decisions. It's not. It's not easy for me. I mean, I like to think of myself as a nice person. I don't. I like to give everybody the better the, are nice the yeah. Yeah. No, but it's true. But where is that, that line? Yeah. Where
2: can I be friendly and friendly, create a great yes. uh, environment for my employees to work leader. and be creative? But yeah. where do I lead? And also at the end of the day, all the responsibility falls on you it does and so you have to take that seriously again you're you're not in this to monetize a hobby for yourself or other people this is if you can that's great to some extent but then when you really take it to that next level and it becomes like no this is a serious thing and now you have people who like you literally have mouths to feed yes (laughs) um and so it being able to be a grown up about that mm-hmm. is important. What are the things that you would advise um, somebody to? Don't do that. Don't spend money here. Just bootstrap that. Versus, go ahead and drop a few dollars here and invest. Well,
1: I think not I just mean, in staging, but in yes, any business. I think, like for us, obviously, our our chosen my chosen profession involves having a certain level of taste and aesthetic and and. Brand has been very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. So I think for anybody who's in an industry that's visual and you need to show what you are as a brand, then taking some time. Like I spent a lot of money in the beginning on an amazing branding and marketing person that I probably really couldn't afford. But I knew for me it was very important that I found something that represented me. That my business cards, when I hand them over are not embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> they look like me, they yeah. feel like me. My logo looks like me. In fact, it's my tattoo. So yeah. it really is me. I love but, that actually. Yeah. yeah. Um that it that that I think spending money from for especially for people in visual industries on your website, on your brand, on your logo, on everything that's visual for me was the most one of the most important things up front to spend money on. Um what would be a waste of money. <laughs>
2: Or just maybe not a waste, but like, don't, don't hire so-and-so really try and do that yourself or bootstrap that. Or is there anything you can think of that you wished you, maybe you spent too soon on or it's not necessary? Like I've heard people say, you really don't need to get an office right away. Try and work from your home. Like don't make that one of your first starting expensive expenses, make it an operating expense after year one. Um, Anything like that that you could suggest? And I, and that depends on the business by the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, gosh, to, kind of struggling with this one.
2: No, that's okay. I, that, what that says that's to me is one. that you one. haven't, that you didn't do that, right. that you probably were bootstrapping along the way and that yeah. you were focusing your dollars spent on product yeah. for your staging, that yeah, it wasn't I mean, on extra services. or I can people. only
1: talk personally and it really yeah. was, I mean, this is a unique, every business is a completely unique situation for me for sure every dollar spent in the beginning was on inventory so that i could actually run and grow the business um and the other money i spent was on eventually and it did actually took me like a proper year and a half to two years to get a website that i felt represented my work and i it i kind of deliberately took time getting that up because in the beginning You are making compromises and you're maybe not Mm -hmm. doing everything the way you necessarily would because you don't have the inventory or the money or whatever to really make it look the way you wanted it to be. Um, So I think it took it took me a long time to get my website up. But that was kind of a conscious decision Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to put something up too soon that wasn't actually representative of me as a brand. So it, it took it took a good like two years to get the website up. Well, and you had the luxury or
2: good sure. fortune of having such a um, robust word of mouth business yes. that it didn't require yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I mean. But we, maybe that's it. Maybe right. that's the answer is that you really looked at where is my business coming from? It doesn't, it's not really coming from the website. So I don't have to rush into the, developing that and I want it to be really good. So I'm
1: going to hold off. Yeah, I mean, the website just for me because our Instagram presence has grown so quickly yeah. the website's actually kind of secondary for me now it's about to become important again for an, a different reason that yeah. we don't need to talk about right now but uh, i know <laughs> something new we'll is stay coming tuned. Yeah. yeah stay tuned um the website for me is really basically just it's a secondary thing sure. instagram is a live portfolio for us where we can continually show and i'm hearing
2: that more work. and more from services yeah. that it's really Um, it's really about Instagram for them and that portfolio has changed even bloggers they're like we're blogging once a week or twice a week now we're not we're not doing our two days or two times a day one time a day go see us on Instagram if you want to connect with us or now we've got Instagram story or you know Snapchat whatever their platform is
1: that's becoming more and more the case right I mean just speaking to real estate there are a lot of real estate agents who don't use Instagram so having the website had to happen because for them that is your portfolio they may not have an Instagram account Um, that's actually a really
2: important point what is your consumer consuming if they're not consuming the platform you're on perhaps you should be thinking about being on another platform and whether it's because of the demographic they're in and they're not you know they're they're Facebook users because they're whatever however old they are or because of a particular industry they're in, like you're talking about with realtors, um, then there's something that you need to you need to solve for that. And you can't say, Well, I like Instagram, so I'm gonna stay on Instagram. No, you, you have, have to, to really to your, think through. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um You're just full of wisdom oh gosh, Miss Kirsten. Really? <laughs> um I want to ask you, I, I used to think that um everyone could be an entrepreneur and there was you know, I've spent the last seventeen years of my life, really, um, finding different ways to encourage women to do that. And at some point I realized that's not necessarily what I think anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that it takes a certain kind of person. Um, and it's, it's, it's nuanced, you know, it's not something that you can absolutely say it's this or that. Um, So there are certain things that when I'm meeting with people or when they are in ideation and they're asking me about, should I do this? I'm looking for almost personality Mm -hmm. traits. What are some things that you would say, let's go back to that friend, that make-believe friend that Mm -hmm. comes up to you and says, I'm thinking about starting a business. What do you think? And this is not about, is it a good idea or not a good idea, but Is she entrepreneurial or is she not? Who would you advise not to? Like, if you have this kind of personality, maybe this isn't a good idea. And if you have this personality, you're going to do great. Like, what
1: is that? Well, I think you have to be a little fearless, Mm -hmm. for sure, and not be adverse to taking risk. It's hopefully a calculated risk. Yeah. But... If you're a cautious person by nature and you're scared of risk taking, then starting your own business is not probably not for you. Having yeah. the confidence in what it is that you want to do and the service you want to provide and being able to put that out there involves yeah. involves a certain amount of risk and not just financially but personally. You yeah. Because your company is such a representation of yourself Absolutely. yeah you're putting constantly yourself putting yourself out yourself there, out there. Yeah. constantly it's not just yeah. about the business or the product it's about you and it's hard not to take stuff personally yeah um so i think if you if you're scared of criticism or you're not a risk taker or you're lacking in confidence because i i think it takes a certain amount of confidence as well to put yourself out there yeah um yeah. So, and, and to that end, I would
2: say having support, having oh a gosh. person, whether that person is a friend or a spouse or finding another entrepreneur, yeah. um, somebody who can support you and say, you have this. I see this in you. Really? I mean, uh, not somebody who's a like a false cheerleader but somebody who can really who really knows you and can see those strengths i can talk about this
1: passionately because i absolutely love my girlfriends and Mm. you all know who you are and without them for sure and they're unfaithful and just like have never ever doubted me Mm. ever said what are you doing why are you doing this They've been absolutely unwavering and not in a in an unrealistic way. Sure. But they've encouraged me. They're all amazing women in their own right. Yeah. But I can literally say without them, I would not be sitting here today. I needed each and every one of them in their own ways. And their support has absolutely gotten me to where I am right now because I wouldn't be here without them.
2: Well, they wouldn't be um, there for you unless you yourself were that kind of friend. So, um, kudos to you and what a what a shout out to to your friends um that may be the last piece of advice that you that's a like such a nugget of wisdom to say to you know get those girlfriends get those people around you do you have one more nugget you want to share is there anything (laughs) that you would say to um a woman who's thinking about launching like just
1: x just follow your gut oh yes we're so it. good women like we just we know her, so you get to know yourself as you grow a little older like you know yourself and yeah. follow your gut and and probably it'll be okay if you do that
2: okay i want you to drop the mic figuratively not literally because i can't afford a new mic but that was a drop the mic moment i love it thank you kirsten so much um It's such a treat to be able to interview you and uh, on a personal note, I'm so excited that this story is going to get out to a lot of people and you're going to encourage a lot of women. So thank you so much for all of you listening. um, We will have all of Kirsten's um, handles and all of a thousand times, a thousand times betters handles up on the site. Um, But in case you're really eager to get to it just remember on instagrams it's a thousand times better and the website is a thousand times better.com and do you have a a, a personal instagram or is everything no, on totally instagram busy. okay so that's easy that's easy don't worry about, that. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. that thank you so much friend great to talk oh, to you Oh, you too up all right thank you okay take care thank you Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty for Her. Liberty is spelled L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-F-O-R-H-E-R. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Wyndham, and music by Jordan Flower. And just remember, there is life after the top knot, as evidenced here. See you next week.